Well, hello and welcome to the No Filter Needed podcast, where we cut the fluff, expel those myths and kick unobtainable standards to the curb. I am your host, Camilla Collins, self-image consultant, author and founder of multiple beauty and creative entertainment agencies. I am super passionate about empowering people to change their self-perception and reimagine not just the beauty, but the huge amount of power within themselves. And this podcast is in support of my mission to do just that. Well, hello and welcome back to the show. Today I have with me a really lovely friend and a very new friend at that, uh, the lovely Noelle Hammett, who is the CEO of um, a wonderful skincare brand called One Skin. And so I've invited Noelle on for a little chat um, about skin, but also um, a little bit around, I guess, struggles with with working her response to uh, the coronavirus at the moment with her wellness warriors uh, and also um, some of her past struggles uh, with her own mental health so welcome Noelle thanks for coming on today thank you for inviting me I'm really good yes I've been for my once a day walk this morning um, with my son um, got some really good fresh air and feeling um, really inspired by that this morning Lovely. And we're so lucky with the weather, aren't we? Because, uh, well, it's been a bit rainy this week, but I think, yeah, if this is winter time, it would be a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, I do think we're really blessed to be able to get out as much as possible um, in these days. Uh, you know, it keeps you, it keeps just definitely keeps you going. Indeed. And speaking of keeping you going, you are very, very busy at the moment. And I know this because I am one of your wellness warriors. So you've opened up your well, tell us a bit about your skincare brand first, because I know you're super passionate about uh, skin, all skin. You treat everyone's skin like your own skin. Um, so I just wondered, you know, is there a story behind behind it or have you got a personal journey with skin that has sort of led you on to developing this skincare brand and, and just being so passionate about it? Um, well, my journey um, to skin actually started when I was 11 years old. Um, I actually, um, we're going back some years now as I'm nearly turning 46, and I actually highlighted my father's hair. I worked at a little um, hair salon at a weekend, and um, I always had in my mind that I wanted to be a beauty therapist, but didn't know enough about it. And I'd been watching the hairdressers and then ended up going to the wholesalers with my dad and um, bringing bringing a kit, buying a kit and going back and highlighting his hair. And I did a really good job and I loved looking after him. And he said, what would I like as a gift to say thank you? And I said, I'd like a facial. He said, OK, then. So in those days, there was like no salons in the town. We had, there was one in the main town near where we lived. Um, so I went there and literally I had this treatment and the whole time my little toes were wiggling with excitement and I can literally picture it to this day and I just knew the smells just everything about it the touch how amazing I felt but I just wanted to be this therapist I have a real passion for the well-being aspect of skincare so you know your skin is a representation of your lifestyle so if you've got a particularly busy stressed lifestyle full of maybe not so great nutrition choices or we're out a lot in the environment or smoking there's so many different factors that I look at when I'm looking at someone's skin. 
so I've treated people for their well-being their skin for 30 years and gained you know so much knowledge of what actually works and what doesn't um, and I just got so much more you know passionate about skin formulations like product formulations and why they would make a difference and what was just marketing and what actually really did work and there's a lot of difference you know there's a lot of brands out there and I started feeling a little bit disillusioned with my industry because it was very fancy packaging nice smells but when you look to the formulations I was kind of a bit like well what's actually in there that's really delivering the results that they are saying they're delivering so I was kind of adamant you know I ended up selling my spa which I run for 14 years 12 years ago I sold it and went on a mission to find the best lab that could work alongside with my vision and I'm so it's taken a long time like I said it's it's 12 years journey um, but together you know we've created 26 really amazing products and each of the products have a purpose you know we don't launch something just because it's you know it's following a trend um it is because there's a need for the skin and those needs come from my clients I still treat to this day unfortunately due to um lockdown I'm unable to treat my clients but I'm reviewing their skin they're sending me pictures I'm doing FaceTime calls and keeping them on track there were so many points like in there but you know firstly absolutely does what's going on inside of us uh come out on on the outside and you can tell so much can't you about I guess how people you know how people appear on the outside but certainly you must be able to get a real a real um inkling into what's going on the inside just by looking at, at someone's skin you know as you say with stress and and these things sort of coming out quite often in um, in diseases, even in skin diseases, and uh, not just um, just tired looking skin. A lot of ailments sort of come, I think, from from the inside and and the way our mind is and and how we're reacting and responding to to stress. Uh, and the other thing as well is is the trend thing. And yeah, I I hear you on that one so much because it this whole trend thing it drives me mad. It's great for a source of inspiration, but I think living by these trends which so many people do it's constant like it's never you know there's always a new trend and it's you know you're always chasing and when it comes to sort of in, in weddings I always got asked to write um if I was ever guest blogging oh you know can you write about summer trends and and you know with with wedding makeup it's it's not really about the trend of course you can take a bit of inspiration from it but it's about the person it's about the bride and it's about what she feels comfortable in and you know how how she normally is and you don't want to stray too far from that because it's a big day and you know you want to feel comfortable and secure I think in in the way that you look so yeah I, I'm not not a fan of the trends either <laughs> I'm with you on that <laughs> let's talk a bit more about uh what's going on inside your, your Facebook group so you had this uh group for one skin which was your um clients and since lockdown sort of came on um you have opened it up to the masses and you formed this team of wellness warriors and so what's your what's your mission with, with all of that so the original plan was to bring them into my um website into blogs um launch a group of professionals that could help and advise my audience so that it wasn't just about me talking about what we're putting on our skin and obviously my knowledge is you know vast because it's been my biggest passion but I can't share an exercise techniques that will help stress reduction and there was so much more I wanted to give but I'm just one person what if I could get 
more people that are passionate about what they do that can like link this jigsaw together. And so before Christmas, I was trying to put this together so that we could share out on my social media platform. So through my website and Instagram and Facebook. And then when we went into lockdown, literally instantly, it was like this little light came on. This is the time for the wellness warriors. I need them. My clients need them. People need them. So I literally in the heartbeat was like, I'm opening up my Facebook group, which was just like for my private clients. So there was like 60, 70 people in there. It's not a big group. I wasn't particularly active on there because I'm in the clinic room with them. They didn't need this much extra support because I see them on a very regular basis. But for people that then they couldn't come into the clinic and they wouldn't be on their own. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to invite them and their friends and anyone that wants to come and hear advice. Because one of the things I've always been frustrated with is that I work one to one with someone, which I adore that. But I just I, by the time I've got all my um knowledge and experience out to some one person I thought if I could record that then I could have helped 20 or 200 people and educated them in acne or eczema or menopausal skin and I would have helped that many more people but I'm only one person so where can I have my voice and I'm not just going to feel like this there's going to be other professionals that feel like this so I literally tapped into my network of the best of the best that I've you know, they're now, they've always been friends, but friends and people that I knew that were really passionate about their industry, that were happy to give free content and wanted to reach more people. And that they would they, they could invite their clients in to give more value to their clients to help them through this time. So it started, um, I'd say nearly six weeks ago. And the energy in the group and the feedback that I get, whether it's from the members or the, the wellness warriors themselves, We've got now 12 amazing um, professionals all sharing their literally their heart, their true purpose and passion in this group for the love of it. And you can feel it. And, uh, you know, we're on this journey together and we're learning technology and all these, you know, trying to go lives and we're trying to interview each other. And and I think that members are appreciating that part of the journey, not just the well-being. They're just being brought into our little kind of nest as it were um and we're just being all natural and honest and just thinking of how much we can share um, and how we can help them and it's working um and yeah the spirit in the group is lovely and it's growing every single day so it's something you know that I'm really enjoying for myself it's a lot of hard work um more than you would probably imagine you know um but because I'm loving it that 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 passion is pushing me every day to you know, to go through barriers that, you know, I wouldn't naturally be comfortable doing coming live, even talking on this podcast, but it's becoming part of my everyday life. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So it's, uh, and, and the team are, so they said, you know, it's building confidence. And I think when the members see us building in confidence, we're inspiring them. It's just, it's not just about all the wellbeing advice. It's the fact that we're just real and, and, uh, and that nothing has to be perfect. And I think that's, you know, social media makes you think everything's got to be perfect. And we're here showing you that actually we're just a bunch of ordinary people, women that just love what they do. And we're here sharing, even if we're looking barefaced <laughs> and, you know, makeup free and just as natural as, as that we can be. I'm just I'm chuckling to myself about yeah you've got your bare face Sundays and I went and posted my bare face on a Saturday so <laughs> I love that I love that <laughs> I 
don't know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> it's just great the the community that's that's building you know around this time and sort of people pulling together and really stepping outside of their comfort zones um and you know being a wellness warrior myself and having you know we've got our group whatsapp and i can see what's going on and just seeing people feeling it's all brand new to them they haven't been used to doing lives and and watching them sort of do more and then you know get comfortable with it and i just think it's an excellent you know hands-on learning and and crash course in technology for for all of us but you know we're all going to come out with you know new skills and i think just the new ways that we're communicating with one another it's not necessarily having to buy any course online it's just you know doing something different to how we normally do really kind of breeds confidence and um I, and I just think it's great it's great to watch and we've spoken before and i i don't know obviously the ins and outs but you're um a fan of the podcast which is amazing i Thank love you. the podcast congratulations <laughs> you said you have had um struggles in the past um with postnatal depression when you had your son you know how did that show up for you and you know how did you overcome that it came on actually really rapidly after childbirth um I was an older mum I gave birth when I was 38 so slightly older um I don't know I wasn't expecting it at all I had a really good birth it was a long birth it was like 27 hour labour um, and but it was it, I was lucky it was a water birth and the actual birthing you know the, like the last hour was just even though um, an awful lot of pain was beautiful and amazing and and you feel really empowered that you've just done this thing you do feel amazing and I don't know whether it's a combination of this kind of amazing high and then the reality that yesterday the day before you've got this baby inside you that's growing and now that they're there there's obviously a massive change in hormones, you know, going on and your, you know, your milk's trying to come in. And I struggled straight from day one, you know, wanted to breastfeed desperately. Um, and it was just, however, my, the flatness of my, um, not saying flatness of, of my, my nipple, actually, he could not attach. He didn't kind of link very well together which I think was really upsetting as a mum. You're like, you feel that this is the most natural thing and that you can do this. And I remember being in hospital for a couple of days. I got transferred to a local hospital. They normally do that when you're like a geriatric mother, they call you. Um, so I went in for a few days and I was the only mum on the whole ward. So I felt so lonely. And, um, you're, you know, my other half was only allowed in certain times. So literally there was me and my son Hudson, just born, and we were put at the very bottom of a, a ward, miles away from the actual like person, the nurse. So I just felt, and I felt like I was um, probably Isolating. like in the way, isolated already before isolation, um, was in the way. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't want to interrupt. They were very matronly. And I was like, oh, I've just got to try and get on this on my own. But I remember one of the nights, you know, he wouldn't feed. I was trying so hard. He was struggling. And no one came and I, I I felt like that was almost like a trigger spot. And I there was one person actually, it actually had in labour at the time. Um, and there was a lady and I ran literally down the corridor with my, but with nothing on my top, with Hudson in my arms, saying, he, I can't do this. Like, I'm really, really struggling. And 
I know I remember it was kind of made to feel like pull yourself together you know you're a mother now and you're 38 years of age and I just felt the expectation was like I'm still it doesn't matter whether I'm a new mum and I'm young or old I haven't got it any more sorted than anybody else um and I'm a I don't know whether it's I'm a perfectionist I'm quite an obsessive person I just wanted to do a good job and I felt like I wasn't and I didn't have my mum there to say you don't you know you know you need that but you're doing good and I literally did not sleep. I came home. I couldn't wait to get home with him. But I didn't sleep for 10 days. Like, literally, I was delirious. I could stop. The, the doctors had said that I'd actually forgotten how to sleep because I was almost like I was on high alert. I was staring at him, like, all the time. And if he even wiggled, I was like, I think he's going to cry. What's, what's up? Um, I become kind of a paranoid, very paranoid. And then I couldn't sleep. And I think the combination of not being able to breastfeed, not being able to sleep, being like, you know, is anything going to happen to this little precious bundle that I just you literally fell in love with as you do. Um, but I just literally went rapidly downhill. And I remember uh, when I was actually then starting to try get a, a, like little tiny bits of sleep, literally kind of awakening and my partner would be, I'd have Hudson in a little crib next to me, like in his Moses basket and Darren next to me. And I would literally try to put myself inside his body, which sounds really bizarre, but I can only describe it as I was so fearful. And this fear wasn't a natural feeling. It felt as I described it to people at the time, it felt like I was running for my life, but I obviously in my brain knew that, that I was safe. I'm laying in bed. I've got Darren here, I've got Hudson here, we're all safe, nothing's happening. But obviously something had taken over in my body, like some chemical, the fear chemical was boost, was going around my system that I was almost like running as if someone was chasing me. Like I, I wasn't literally running, but in my brain, the how I was feeling was, was like literally just thought I was going to die. But I don't know why I couldn't explain it and I just was so scared all the time and it used to take me a good couple of hours in the morning before this scared feeling and then I would just feel like shocked for the rest of the day and then I think I don't want to go to sleep again because I'm going to feel this fear and it wasn't to the point of a panic attack I just felt like I need to feel safe and I need to be in a in a corner like so I, I don't know it was very scary and um, in the end, you know, and I wasn't acting myself like people would say things and I'm naturally not really a snappy person, but I could feel myself biting like the expectations. People, well, why don't you just get out and just, um, you know, other people do and go and start children's, and you know, centres and, you know, they should be you should be out and shopping and having coffee. And I was like, I can barely get myself dressed and I can't breast speed and I can't do all these things that is expected of me and I felt a bit of a failure and it was just kind of having a knock-on effect and in the end the um you know when the midwives that came around said you know I think you need to you know go and speak to the doctors because you're not coping that well and we made a decision that um I wouldn't be trying to breastfeed anymore that I was just I was if I wasn't trying to breastfeed I was trying to pump express milk and that wasn't working either and I was so sore and it was just not really very good for my well-being. And then my well-being is not very good for Hudson. So he was getting all the love that I could give him. But I just felt in myself, not even anywhere near myself as a person. And I went to the doctors um, and they prescribed me um, sertraline. A, um, you know, what they recommended was like an 
the most supportive, I suppose, it comes in the antidepressant section. Although I didn't feel depressed, it was a very weird thing. I'm like, oh, my God, look at my child, gorgeous, you know. So I think people struggle because they think if you say that you've got postnatal depression, however it manifests and shows itself, whether it's in fear or in all these different detachments, some people don't attach to their child. Uh, it shows in lots of different ways and people feel really they can't talk about it. Because, you know, you're supposed to, this supposed to be joyous time. And yes, it is joyous, but actually your body has changed so much in such a small window. Some some people can cope with it and other people can't. And I don't feel guilty for that. I, I, I feel sad if I think about how I felt at that time, because all you want to do is feel brilliant um, and just have everything, you know, like I say, be able to do all the breastfeeding and sleeping and it all be, and it wasn't that lovely feeling but um I I got through it you know I got through it it took time probably took you know I was still making them not myself probably for a good year I'd be if I'm honest um and then you know things you do move on and obviously within a year I, I think it was about nine months I was off of medication um it was just the transition in into motherhood it was the transition in um such a change of life I lived out in the middle of nowhere so I there was nothing around me to support me my other half was at work every single day leaving at six and coming in at eight so there was no help my parents were far away there's a lot of things I think that you know you realize now stepping back gosh if things were a little bit little bit more support close by you know maybe things would have been different but I was a bit scared a little bit lonely um and that's how it manifested but um you know luckily got through it and um you know my little boy's nearly eight and so uh you know I'm touch wood I've never had to experience anything since since then wow what a story my goodness um and I just yeah I just can't even was it I don't I don't have children so I can't I can't I can't even begin to imagine I, I you know I I wouldn't try um but I can I can sort of feel, you know, the sense of loneliness. Um, it, it's just everything at once, isn't it? But also being on your own in that and not having any support with this brand new thing, like all of it's new, your new baby, uh, your body's like changed. It's, you know, completely new, the whole um, giving birth as well, even complications then. Uh, I just, yeah, I can imagine it's it's very, very scary. And I think that much, I guess, shock and change and, and trauma at one time is going to have repercussions that are going to take a long time to sort of get over or process even and, and learn how to how to deal with. Were they, um, you know, did you get given, was there any support afterwards from from them or was it something that you didn't really recognise until further down the line that you might have this postnatal depression? Um, I think that when you go home, you do have, you are assigned um, like a, a midwife to come and check on you. But mainly they are coming to check that you're breastfeeding okay. And if that's the main, that's the main focus at that period of time, eight years ago, um, I was lucky that, you know, that in the end they realised, you know, I wasn't being, they looked at the shape of me, they checked out his little tongue. Now his little tongue didn't have much stretch on it and then you have to latch on and between the shape of my you know my nipple and his mouth going together they said oh actually we can see why that's not working but by this time I'm literally raw both sides um mm. 
you know, it's painful. And then, I, you know, there's so much. I mean, it's really weird even going back because I've only ever had him to go back to those, you know, take my mind back to that time of how, you know, how you feel and how heavy you your, your boots and how much pain you're in. And you're kind of in pain, but you're trying to to do this thing because everyone says it's so natural, um, like childbirth, so natural. But, you know, you're traumas, you know, what, whether, I mean, we had a beautiful experience because, even though you're going through this, the 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 feeling of it, you know, um, you do feel really like empowered that you've done this thing, and it's so there's this like it's a really kind of double-edged sword, the whole kind of journey. But then you're left very uncomfortable. You're trying to learn so much in no time. So you you're exhausted by the end of your pregnancy. You've been you're like desperate to have this child, but you've gone from being like you know nine ten months of growth, um, being exhausted then you know, however many hours of labour and, you know, not loads of complications for everybody, but there's issues throughout, I think, most people's childbirth time. And then you're now, you don't get any time to recover. Um, and it's not that you're, you know, because you're not supposed to have time to recover. You're now a mother. And I think you all think, but I'm exhausted. I was literally not exhausted from the birth. You just, just the whole experience, I think. And I think there needs to be a bit more support or, it's hard. It's one of those things. My other half self-employed. Um, I was as well. He was literally, we came home on Monday at lunchtime and the very next morning he's at, he's at work. There's no, I think it's paternity, isn't it? No for men when you're, yeah, for men, unless you're employed. We had no such, no um, opportunity for him to be. He had, he was going to come on the Friday. He was there on the Friday before the birth back to work on the Tuesday so literally two days um and not even 24 hours at home with me to settle me and then suddenly I'm like I said I'm literally in this field almost (laughs) on my own thinking now what do I do um and people just want to leave you to it don't they they're like oh you know let them settle but it was like I'm settling on my own and I'm scared and I'm walking around the house with this baby thinking I can't you know can I do this and um it's 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 scary so I think support especially in that first few weeks is so important and if I kind of had had my time again I'd have 100% realised how important it is to make sure that we were in a position that Darren could have taken more time off um, and that I would have called out to my parents who are amazing um, even though they live further and maybe had them come and be near me I think that a mother does always need their mother you know especially when they become a mother you know it's um it's it's important no one else gets you and comforts you in that way um yeah so it's just all it's all learning isn't it and it's all and if you can then help someone else which is I feel that I can give better advice or see some of those signs in my clients sometimes and so you kind of reach out to them and I think it's important to share you know share these things that people go oh that's you know that's how I felt or you know can can read those signs back and think I'm not alone and none of us are alone and the more we talk about these things that people think are uncomfortable to talk about it is part of life and we need to help each other I haven't spoken about this since kind of it happened um but I thought I have got something to say that might be able to help one person so here I am saying it well thank you thank you so much and and yeah it I'm, I'm sure it will and it's these conversations so. 
you know, that, that need to happen and this awareness for other people and people to relate to. And I think maybe that's that's the problem. There are some things that aren't talked about. So, I mean, you probably weren't aware of, you know, you, everyone says, oh, it's a magnificent thing. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be beautiful. Like, you know, birth, obviously painful, but everything's going to be wonderful. And, and that sort of didn't go to plan. It, it was probably, you know, a series of events that sort of led you down a different path and probably not being fully aware of, of, postnatal depression how it comes up and and where it takes you meant that you were sort of just scrabbling around not not knowing what's wrong with you and feeling like you can't worry about yourself you just have to take care of him you know I always say this if we're not well ourselves and it's very difficult for us to care properly um, or to give to other people which is why I think it's so important that we do put ourselves first that we don't push ourselves to the back of the pile because we're in a much better position to serve people when we are you know strong and well the one thing I think is really important, I was pretty much only two weeks in, I think, probably when I want, went to the doctors. And so that's a relatively short space of time. There are a lot of women that will struggle on at, at even more detriment to the self and more detriment to their connection with their child, I think, because it is um, you cannot help it. It's like an overtaking of your of your body and your mind when it happens. And I'm just relieved that I didn't I wasn't stubborn and I wasn't like, oh, I can get through this or, um, you know, it would show weakness or failure or I shouldn't be feeling like this so I can just get myself through it because something I knew in my heart wasn't right and I knew myself well enough to know that I just, I needed some support. And even if it was just going to the doctors to speak to them to say, am I going mad? What's What's happening here? And straight away they were like, it's like they know. They're almost like waiting for the people that are almost brave enough to go, something's not right. We should we always just try and fight on thinking that we can get through all these things because as women, I think we do juggle quite a lot of stuff, you know, and we do try our hardest to be, to show up. I have a never give up attitude, but never giving up was actually going to the doctor's. I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to sit and feel, you know, and feeling like this. I knew I wanted to be over feeling like that as quick as I possibly could so that I could get on with being a mother and getting back to being the person that I needed to be and something needed to help me. And we would never say to someone that needed medication for anything, we wouldn't turn around and say, you know, whether it was, you know, any illness, um, you shouldn't take your medication I needed it and it made the difference. Um, it doesn't, there are so many other things that can support, you know, now, you know, more when you go in and you can think straight, you know, we've got like well-being, you know, exactly what we're trying to achieve in the group. We've got, you know, I could have exercised more. I could have thought about meditation, but you're so bleared at the time. You don't actually put any strategy in. Um, so maybe that's just a thought that we can be looking at in the group as well, how we can put a support guide through to people I don't know yeah I think I think just um just talking as much as possible I think it's the action keeping things inside of your head or not talking about them or not doing acting on them or doing something I think just leads you to a crazy place um especially when you're when you're on your own and I think conversations even just one conversation might help someone but it might take for, for instance in your group someone to be watching for a very long time before they feel comfortable enough to join in or reach out um, or participate and I think that's when 
that's when um, you can help people. And I think talking and, and things like this podcast is amazing. And um, the things that you've been covering, just so helpful to people to listen in and say, oh, that just sounds like me or, oh, I thought that was normal or whatever it is that they're not alone. And, you know, the more that we talk, the more people we can help and technically more people we can save because people, you know, mental health is such a massive big subject in the group it is our actual mental health week next week and I know you'll be getting involved um Absolutely. it's a really important <laughs> message um to be speaking um maybe we'll maybe we'll share this podcast in there you know I'm happy to do that if you would like to always <laughs> share, uh, share 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 <laughs> I, I think you've covered everything that's yeah I mean oh, I hope so. it's been amazing to have you on and I think this is the perfect um place to leave the conversation for today but I'm sure we'll be having more and, and certainly next week in the group uh so so thank you so much for being um for going there you know and for, for being really open and honest and sharing sharing all of it it's just yeah it was really really interesting to hear and you're a very inspiring lady oh, um thank you and so are you my lovely yeah. So the group's obviously open to to everybody, um, and, and we were obviously encouraging people to go in. So how can uh, people find the wellness warriors at work and and uh, the One Skin group? What's the address? So you would go into um, One Skin at Home if you search groups and put One Skin at Home, you will find us there, and that's on Facebook. Um, and we are coming out. We're leading into my website, which is OneSkinForLife.com. Um, we've got all the skincare, you know, all my products there for, you know, all different pro skin programs in there. But we're also growing our blog area and our wellness warrior area literally as we speak. Um, so keep checking in on that because there'll be more information over the next coming weeks. Um, we're going to be, uh, you know, reaching out into Instagram um, and, and sharing some more content out that direction. Um, and, you know, getting involved with things like this, the podcast um, with you. And there's more things Sounds crazy. I just want to do good work. I love it. And, um, you know, I just want to reach as many people leaving, you know, an imprint on someone and helping someone literally just is is what I feel like I was supposed to do. So that's what I'm doing. So. And you are you are doing just that. You're touching a lot of people. Noelle, you really are. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm grateful I've got the opportunity. So thank you. Oh, lovely. It's been great to have you on and have a run wonderful rest of the week. And you, and we'll be speaking soon. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some good takeaways from today. And if so, then please do leave a review. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and you can find further insights and tools over at camillacollins.com.